As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. How are we doing this morning? Hey, what's the purpose of this TV? Yeah, to help you follow along. What's the purpose of this table? That's because I got a lot of stuff and they want me to put it on here. What's the purpose of this chair that I will not use because I'm too prideful to sit down? The purpose of this chair is to sit down and give me some rest. What's the purpose of this water? Well, it's to provide refreshment. Everything has a purpose. I mean, really, everything has a purpose, so to speak. You could define purpose as the reason something exists. So let me ask you this. What's the purpose of man? Well, the Westminster uh, Convention says this, that the purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's our purpose. But the deeper question that I want to talk to you about today is, how do we fulfill that purpose in every stage, at every age of our life? That's the more difficult question. But we don't have to search up and down all around. God's word answers it for us. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. That's where we're heading today, is I want to talk with you about moving with purpose. We're continuing in our series. We've got some verses ahead of us this morning where the Apostle Paul gives some specific words to some specific people at different stages and ages in their life. And and so we're going to apply these directly to ourselves. I'm going to start with the husbands. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. The Apostle Paul gives them a word. The word is simply this, a word for husbands, love with purpose. That's the word that he gives to husbands, that we're to love on purpose. And he tells us to do that. I'm going to summarize it with four four S words. The first one is sacrifice. And he starts out by talking to the husbands and making the comparison as just as Jesus loved the church, we need to love our wives in the same way. And so he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Question, all husbands, what did Jesus do for the church? He died, he gave his life, he gave his blood, he gave his sweat, he gave his tears, he he gave everything. And so we are called to love like that, that's sacrifice. So let me ask you this, just between you and the Lord, what needs to die in you so that your marriage will have new life? Boy, that's a question we ought to be asking more regularly. And sometimes it's a good thing, or it could be a bad thing, but we've learned this before, that a good thing becomes a bad thing when it crowds out the best thing. So things gotta go, and I bet if you're married and your wife's next to you, she's giving you a nudge right now, she knows it, you know it, God knows What's the thing that you got to crucify because Christ died that you might live? Second ask word, it's right in the text, it's sanctify. 
that you might sanctify her. And if you double click on that word, it literally means to make holy and to do what? To present and to complete, to set apart. And that's what Jesus did for the church. How? By cleansing her with the washing of the water with the word. Word here isn't referring to Jesus as the living word. It's referred to God's word that we hold in our hands. And and what does Jesus say that he used the word to wash and to clean, that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So his goal for the church is that we would be mature. And that he'd do what? He'd buff us up and take those chips off our shoulders and, and present us complete. And so husbands, that's our job, that we would sanctify our wives. Now too often the truth is this, that we have abdicated that responsibility to another pastor, to some podcasts on spirituality, or even hear me ladies, to Beth Moore. That that's not who's responsible for your wife's spiritual growth and maturity. That we're to do what? We're to sanctify our wives. And I know it's not an easy ask. You probably, like me, you're married to a spiritual giant. She didn't even look up. She's like, yep, you're right. Keep moving. But in all seriousness and the humility and the thankfulness, if I could just create an environment, think of it that way. If you could just create an environment in your home, Marty, with your family and your wife, that, that man, just to spur her on to grow spiritually. That's what God's word is asking. And the third one is to sacrifice that, or excuse me, sacrifice, sanctify, serve. Look with me at verses 28 through 30. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we're members of his body. We love our bodies and we take care of ourselves and that's what we do. And I don't know, maybe taking care of yourself and serving yourself is going to the health club a few times a week and making sure you're healthy. Or maybe for you, it's laying on the couch and becoming a couch potato. That's the health program you're on. And hey, I just need some rest. Hey, whatever shoe fits and whatever time that you do it, it, it's a picture of you serving yourself and what you need that we need to serve our wives in that same way. And that's what he's saying, that we would serve them, serve them specifically. And lastly, last S word is this, that we would stay. Verse 31 says, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, so get away from them and hold fast to his wife. And the two, the miracle here of one flesh, that not only one physically, but one spiritually and emotionally. And, And that's the picture, that's the miracle of marriage, that the two, man, they become one and so I sit with a lot of husbands and we do a lot of marriage conferences and I'll include myself in this as well as the rest of our staff pastors here and we can exhibit two S words that I didn't mention we can be stupid and selfish anybody with me thank you for one honest man in the whole crowd (laughs) holding up this section Pastor Craig he's like that's not me (laughs) But seriously, these are the S words that, that God wants us to kind of measure ourselves up against his word, and he's got a word for us. 
Jesus said it like this. He kind of said it all throughout the Gospels. If you study the Gospels, you can't miss this phrase. He who has an ear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so, husbands who have ears, let them hear this morning. What's God's word to you? Next, let's go to the wives. Let's get the heat off us. Let's go to them. A word to the wives. Respect with purpose. Now, I'm going to start in verse 33 where we left off because it's kind of as an end cap, and it provides the meaning for the entire t- uh, t- uh, words to the husbands and the wives. In verse 33, it says, however, each one of you husbands uh, love his wife as himself. And so he's talking to the husbands, but then he says, let the wife see that, that, that she respects her husband. And so for the word for the wives is that they would respect and that they would respect on purpose. Jody, again, I, you know, we do a lot of marriage conferences and she uses three great A words to kind of go after the wives and it, it, what's your respect look like? And she says that, if we can put it up on the screen, respect in a marriage is demonstrated by admiring, affirming, and applauding. And so, so that's how you demonstrate it in a marriage relationship. And, and so, you know, psychologists will tell you this. Let me throw this in. Psychologists tell us that a man has a deep need for significance. That's why he needs the respect. Now, you're sitting here, and some of you guys, I know you guys really well, even though you won't look up at me. I know you well, and you're like, well, my husband never said that. Yeah, because he's a man. He doesn't speak. <laughs> doesn't even know he, what he needs, and, But in all seriousness, that's what psychologists tell us. That's why the word respect is so important. And psychologists will tell us that a woman's deepest need is for security. And whether that's through finding that through someone else, as a husband meets that need, or hey man, you know what? I'm gonna meet it myself if you're not doing it. And I'm gonna work real hard to get the security that I need. And that's what psychologists tell us, but this is what God's word says. You can see the significance. It's not the only word for husbands and wives, but it's an important one. I think for me and for many of you, it's probably the truth is, man, it's easier to disrespect than respect. But sometimes that's what happens in relationships as we take advantage of each other. And that's why the apostle Paul said to the wives, he said in verse 22, he said, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and his himself is its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And I know when you read this, these verses have been abused and misinterpreted and misapplied in many relationships. And I got to tell you this, if it makes me sick, I can't imagine what it does to God. And that's about the last thing you want to hear from me on stage as a husband to say to you, that's your S word. How do I know that? Because my wife would say the same thing. Quite honestly, I say the same thing. I don't really want to submit to anybody. I don't really want to do that. But verse 21, if you'll notice in the text, it says that we're to submit to all. That we're all called to do this. Submit literally means to place yourself under, that we're to submit ourselves to the Lord. In the text, what's interesting, if we go back to 22 through 24, the reason that the wives are to submit to their husbands and is because he's supposed to be the spiritual leader in the home. And you say, well, he ain't doing that very well. And that's why it says, as to the Lord. 
Because if your husband's asking you to do something that is contrary to God's word, please listen up, don't do it. If your husband is asking you to do something that is against your conscience, please hear me, don't do it. If your husband is asking you to do something that, that is not pleasing to the Lord, don't do it. And don't use these verses to say what they are not. Again, there's been too much abuse in the church. And, and so we're to do what? We're to submit to one another and we're to yield to one another. That's the picture in a marriage relationship is we teach this a lot as of yielding to each other. And that's the beautiful picture that if you don't yield at an intersection, what happens? There's gonna be a crash. And so we need to yield to one another. That's the picture in marriage. I love what Matthew Henry writes because he provides the balance and perspective we need. He says the woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon on him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected by him, near to his heart to be beloved by him. So wives who have ears, let them hear God's word for you today. Next, Paul goes to the kids. And I think it's to kids of all ages in chapter six, verses one through four. And so we'll look at verses one through three first. It's a word to the children, obey and honor with purpose. Obey and honor, those are the two words. So you can see obey is for the little kids and honors for the big kids. And that's what he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And so interesting, again, you see the exception clause. You see the escape clause. You see the ejection button, just like we saw it with the wives, as to the Lord. Hey, in the Lord, if they're asking you to do something that is contrary to God's word, then of course you, you're not to do that. It's easy to skip over this, but I'm telling you, there's homes where kids are being asked to do some things that they ought not be doing. And that's the beauty of a couple, a Christian couple living for God's word. So thankful for a church that receives and leaves into the clear teaching of God's word when there's sometimes there's difficult passages, man. You guys aren't backing away. We're leaning in. What, how can we apply this to our life? And despite what our culture says or what the context is and and so this here, it's children, obey your parents and the Lord. So obedience, I think we all know what that means, that we're to do what we're told. And we've used this definition with our kids since they were little growing up, and Jody and I. Obedience is doing what you're asked, when you're asked, with a great attitude. And so those are the three aspects of obedience and that we would do what we're asked, when we're asked, and with a great attitude. So let's take that apart for those who may be having trouble. What you're asked. I don't know, just think of any illustration that you may have, as a parent, asked your kids. Maybe it was cleaning the garage. Hey, clean out the garage. That doesn't mean clean out your friend's garage, starting there first. Well, Dad, I thought we were gonna just go do theirs first and we just didn't get to ours. That doesn't mean cleaning out the car in the garage that you wanna use that night. That means cleaning out the garage that the car is in. You say, where do you get these examples? These are real life examples from the Zappia family and as I see a daughter in here, I'll just stop. 
but a couple of those may have been from my family when I was a kid. But the second is what? That, hey, do it when you're asked. And that next week, that next month, that next year, hey, hey, do it right now. And we as parents could probably do a better job of communicating more clearly what the expectations are and when they're to be done with more of a heart and a love for what's happening. There's always confusion when there's lack of clarity. Let's find that in the workplace. When there's confusion, it's always a result of a lack of clarity. And sometimes we need to own our part in, I didn't make it clear enough. Clean the garage, our garage, not the car. Do it at two o'clock. And then this part, with a great attitude, when you walk by and they got the broom in their hand, they better just look at you and go, But as we're having some fun, God asks us to do a lot of stuff that we don't do what we're asked. We don't do when, we are, when he asks it. Not on, it's on our own timetable. And man, we don't always have a smile on our face when he asks us to forgive or when he asks us to obey. So this is children of all ages that your heavenly father asks you to do the same as you obey him. And then honor. I like to think of honor, and that's where the text goes next, that honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. I mean, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. That, hey, if you honor your parents, man, there is some significant benefit to honoring your parents. And, and so I think of honor and with three words that, that when our parents want to help us, we would show them honor that when our parents are having health problems that we would show honor, when we think about our parents' heritage, we would show honor. So Jody and I have lost uh, three of our parents um, when we started the church within the first couple years, and Jody's mom's left, and so we've learned a little bit about honor. And, and so first, it's honor them in regards to when they wanna help you, and, so all of us know that, hey, there comes a time when, you know, your mom and dad is telling you how to raise the kid or doing this or they're saying that. You know what? I'm old enough. I don't need to listen to you. Well, that's true, but just do it with honor and, and just have the conversation and, and just do it in a way that's respectful and loving and, and honoring with health. I just simply mean that we're all called to, you know, we're taking care of our parents, man. You know, I mean for as long as we need to. And as I look at our crowd, I, I know some people in our church, I just had some conversations within the last couple weeks about, man, their parents are going through really hard times and, and their, their health is failing. And man, it's not easy to make those decisions. And I know for our family, it was like, you know, moving my dad out of his house <laughs> into a place to better care for him. There's all kinds of confusion with that whole discussion. And, and Jody's mom now, if I can just share from our hearts, I'm, She's struggling with the early stages of Alzheimer's and, and what that looks like. And, and there's just all these decisions that, that we're faced with. And it's a commandment with a promise. And to lighten it up a little bit, I mean, the truth is we need to care for each other in the way that you want to be cared for. So think about it like this. It's like how I care for my parents. My kids are watching, so they're going to do the same to you if you don't honor them. And, 
disrespect him. Little added motivation there <laughs> to honor him. It's so important for us to just do this in the right way. Now, now I know that some sitting here today and watching um, online that, you know, I, that's great, I, but you, you don't know the home I grew up in. And I gotta just be honest, I've sat across the table with men and man, I've heard some stories that just, some horror stories that I, I just, you know, what they had to live with and whether it was abuse that was directly from their mom and dad or the abuse that the mom and dad allowed to happen with the uncle or with this and, I mean, your mind, it, it's just like, so I know and I've wrestled with this. You know, what do you say to that guy? What do you say to that girl? And, that loves the Lord and wants to do the right thing, but is having trouble to forgive. I don't know, this is the best I got. I, Lord laid it on my heart once, and here's a couple verses that may be helpful. And they're from Romans chapter 12. Is, and you say, whoa, these are to enemies. And, well, I, I mean, I've sat with some of these guys, and man, their parents weren't much of an ally to them. and They, they were kind of treating them like there was a bit of a war going on. Hey, your responsibility, I know that happened, and you need to forgive him, and as the Bible says, but, but if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Here it is. Do not overcome evil with evil, man, but overcome evil with good. God can empower you to be better than they were. You've got the spirit of the Lord. And, and then I always kind of just maybe go straight to heap burning coals on their head. And that, that's the picture in the Old Testament. What does that mean? Well, it just simply means kill them with kindness. The kindness that God's shown to you. The kindness they might not deserve. And then I usually hit this verse, write down Romans 2, 4. It says the kindness of God leads you to repentance. I mean, think about that for a moment. God's kindness in the cross that was shared to us, it leads us to a change, to a, an about face, to a U-turn on the highway of life. And, and that that the kindness that you've received, you could model to them that maybe it would produce a change in their behavior. I, I don't know. I, I'm not guaranteeing it, but that's what we're called to do. So a word to the children of all ages, all those up here at Naperville on the third floor and all those in here is that what we, the big kids, the little kids, we would have ears to hear what God says to us. Next, we got a, Paul does this. I mean, look at verse four. He just points both barrels at the dads. Goes after them. How come? Well, they're to be the spiritual leaders in the home. He's already talked about that in chapter five. And so he goes after them like none other. I, I don't want to leave the, um, the mothers out. I, I think it's applicable to, mo to both, but but it's intensified with the dad's voice. I'll get to that in a moment. I, a word to parents, man, train on purpose. Train up a child in the way he or she will go. And, and it, it's so important that Paul says this, do not provoke your children to anger, he says to fathers. And man, just stop and let that sink in for a moment. If you got a son or a daughter, man, what are you saying and what are you doing? And how is it resulting, what is it happening in them? I, I just think of, you know, I, your personality, theirs, and you know, and then he goes on and says that, that what? That 
to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So again, we, we need to know God's word. We've got to create an environment for spiritual growth, not only for our spouses, but, but for our kids. I mean, do you see it? And Hey, you're not to be the, I always say it like this, for the husbands now and the fathers, you're, you're not to be like the thermometer that takes the temperature. You're to be like the thermostat that sets the temperature of spirituality in the home. And, and so the interesting thing about this word provoke, let's just go in this direction, that the opposite of the word provoke is to encourage. Think with me, dads, that you would be the number one encourager in your son or daughter's life. That man, I'm telling you, they would get it from you. That you would be the number one encourager, not their coach, not their teacher, not their friend, not their friend's parents. I get jealous. Well, they said this about me. What do you think? And from a point of failure to a point of getting it right sometimes, that, that man, you want to be the cheerleader. You want to be the encourager. And your voice is so important. I want to be the meat and potatoes when it comes to encouragement with my kids. And all those other people, they can be the dessert. Let them be the frosting. And, and you be the dessert. And, Jody, throughout the years, she's oftentimes come in and um, you know, said, Ron, she needs to hear it from you. She, you know, I've said it. She, she needs to, and, and then it's almost like she just comes and puts the ball on the tee, you know what I mean? And just like, take the swing, please. And, and that's what I'm saying to some husbands, and, that you would allow your wife to speak to you in such a way where you could, because there's some things, hey, Words are power, aren't they? They have power. A dad's words are powerful. They're just powerful. Some are still sitting here hurt, and the wound feels like it hasn't quite healed, and the scab is still, you still have it over something that was said to you years ago by a father or a mother, and it just echoes, and I love what um, Mark Twain says. I, I'm a person, like, just if you get into my life for a moment in our home, it's like I'm constantly fighting over what words, what outline, what, you know, and, and choosing the best word, the most impactful word. I mean, that's what I do all the time. And so would you have that same energy for your kids to think about them and what they're going through and, I love what Mark Twain says. He says the difference between choosing the right word and the almost right word is like the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. Do you get what I'm saying? There's just impact. And, and so let me, I'm looking and I see some younger dads. And so I want to give a verse specifically to you. Yep, you in that section. and A couple other you younger dads that these are the words that, this is a verse maybe that would help you. It's been a challenge to me. I hope it'll be a challenge to you. It says in James chapter 4, verse 7, I've personalized it to you. Therefore, to the dad who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to that dad, sin, man. And so take that to what I'm saying now, man. You, you withhold the word. You don't say the good word. You don't discipline them and you leave that response. You don't do what you know you should be doing in your house. 
there's no other way to get around this. It's sin. But I didn't do anything. Well, that's the point. And, and so to the parents in the room, that what? That we would have a word from the Lord. Parents who have ears to hear, let them hear. And then lastly, we get to a set of scriptures that can be quite difficult to try to apply to our lives today. And so verses um, five through nine are directed at slaves. And so let me start by saying this, that the Bible never condones slavery. But what the Bible does is it gives instruction to those who are being affected in it, with it, it gives instruction to those who are dealing with it. And too often in our history, in the United States, slavery, the church has backed away, and not always, some were on the right side of this in the civil rights movement, but many were on the wrong side. Some people use the Bible to try to justify slavery and equal rights and those things. And, and so we would never condone that. And, and that we, I think this is a word to us that when some stood silent in great times of injustice, that, that we would make sure that we learn from the past and that we step forward and fight for any kind of injustice that we see in our world today with, with as you take a look at the unborn babies. And it, there's so much, we gotta step forward and step into it. And, and so some people, what they do is, um, many commentators, like you read a commentator, and what they do is they go immediately to employee-employer relationships. And so I know that can feel like a bit of a stretch. But let me do this. Let's apply these verses to not only our workplace, but us in the world and, and our witness. And so what? That a word to the church, to all of us. Hey, I was left out today. I'm not married. Well, this is your word for you. That that we're bond servants is the picture. That's why commentators say this, that we're bond servants, that man, we've been bought with a price and our life is not our own. And, and so the word is to serve with purpose. And I'm not just talking about serving in the church, I'm talking about serving in your life, that, that when we serve, we serve the Lord, not man. And that's what I see in Ephesians five through seven. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart's as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service or people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Here it is, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Meaning, man, I don't work for that guy or that girl. And man, man, I work for the Lord. And, and he's the one that I'm working for. He's the one that I please. And when we serve, word for everybody, that we'll be blessed, like God's honored in our service. And Ephesians 6 verse 8 says, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he or she will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a bondservant or is free. And so when we serve, we'll be blessed. And then lastly, just a word for us in our witness and in the workplace and in our world that, man, when we serve, what we're ultimately doing is that we're glorifying God. And to glorify God means I simply want to show him off. I, I want to show off who he is and what he does. And it's not always what I say, it's what I do and my attitude and, and how I respect and how I do these things. That I, I'm, just, I'm just going to show God off. That, that's what I want to try to do. And 
that can be our greatest witness. And so here we see Paul is talking to, when he's addressing this, just back into their context for a moment. I mean, some would say that nearly um, half of the world, or the Roman Empire here, because of them, like half of the people he, he was writing in a context where, man, half of the world was, was slaves versus free. I mean, that's how much, because of all the conquests, the battles that they had, and, and, and that there was that many people, and and so when we serve, we glorify God. And so he says, masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening and all this kind of behavior. And I got to tell you this, that both their master and yours is in heaven and we serve the same one. We're equal in his eyes and that there's no partiality with him that what? That we should look with everybody that's been created in God's image and treat them with respect and dignity. And Man, is that not a message for our world today? That, that let's treat everybody with the respect and dignity that, that God's word says. And, and so that's ultimately us doing this. We're glorifying God. I love what Billy Graham says. He kind of talks about service in this way. He says, the highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. That's what we're going for, man. Unselfish service. And he says, the greatest form of praise, it's the sound of consecrated feet seeking out the lost and helpless. Bam, that's what we're going for. That's what we want to see. That, that's a picture of, of what we want. So let's take a look for a moment at this message and summarize it with this, that, that these are the words from Ephesians chapter five and Ephesians chapter six. And in a moment, Pastor Craig's gonna lead us in, in a time of communion. And I'm gonna pray first, but He's going to challenge us to, to think about these words. and Maybe the word was on the screen. Maybe it wasn't. I still believe that God speaks. And God has a word for you. So, Father, I pray for ears to hear in this moment. I thank you for every single person that's here, for those who have not been able to be here because of health reasons, that they're here right now. Praise the Lord for your faithfulness in their lives. Lord, we want to hear from you. So I pray there would be no distraction in these moments. I pray that you would use this time for us to reflect upon you, for us to look to you, and for us to live through you, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.